Coming up on today's show, we have Christian Baines, and he's here to talk about his latest urban fantasy, The Orchard of Flesh. And we've also got Brandon Witt. He's here as part of the 2016 GRL Blog Tour. Welcome to the Big Gay Fiction Podcast, the show for readers and writers of gay romance fiction. If you can read it, write it, watch it, or listen to it, these two guys are going to talk about it. Now, here are your hosts, Jeff Adams and Will Knauss. Welcome to episode 48 of Jeff and Will's Big Gay Fiction Podcast. I'm Jeff from jeffadamswrites.com. And I'm Will from willknauss.com. So... You had a busy week away. You have been uh, down in L.A. once again, and you visited the ladies at the Ripped Up Bodice. I did. Yes. Oh, it was such a good trip. Um, I got to sit down with B and Leah uh, to talk about the store, talk about how they stock it, uh, and it's an interview that we'll be bringing everybody in episode 51 in just a few weeks. I have to tell you that these ladies, you could tell when you talk to them that they're doing exactly what they're supposed to be doing. I mean, they're just infectious about their love of books and this bookstore that they've created. So it's a great interview, and we look forward to bringing that to everybody uh, in just a couple weeks. Yeah. Yeah. And I also did, I was working on stuff, because there's always writing stuff Mm -hmm. to do right now. Um, Got some edits done, uh, another round of edits on Love's Opening Night. Uh, Also got to turn in a bunch of forms for uh, somewhere at Mackinac. For all the Dream Spitter production forms that there are, thinking about blurbs and what the book's about and everything, and it looks like that'll start editing in December. Uh, I also started formatting a paperback, which is I thought was going to be my least favorite thing to do, but it's turned out now that I since I did one with flipping for him, mm-hmm. formatting another one isn't quite as bad because <laughs> I at least know where the pitfalls are. Yeah, yeah, that's well, that's good. Yeah, I cussed a lot less. In fact, I don't think I even cu- I don't think I cussed at all so far formatting this. I'm not done yet, but I think I've I think I've got the bulk of it done. Well, so. okay, come on, it's create space. I'm sure you will find a reason to cuss before you're done. I think the cussing will come with the cover. Because uh, yeah. I have to build the back cover, so yeah, that'll be fun. I'm, yeah, I'm sure. Um, while you were away, uh, actually, the the day you arrived back on Friday, we received uh, an email. That says that our workshop proposal for next year's RT has been accepted. Yes. Uh, we haven't really talked about that before. We say, were kinda say what? Keeping it under wraps <laughs> that we were even trying to do such a thing. But So a couple of weeks ago, the deadline for workshop applications was fast approaching. And I said, hey, Jeff, you realize this is like due on Monday. <laughs> if we're going to do this, we should probably come up with something. So we kind of whip something up real quick uh, and sent it off and uh, it got accepted. We will be doing a workshop called Podcasting 101. Yes, very excited about this. Uh, so if you're going to be at RT in Atlanta come May, uh, you'll have to come see us and uh, check out what we're doing. Uh, it'll be kind of a workshop that we kind of envision breaking down into three sections between what exactly is a podcast uh, why, as an author, why you might want to be on a podcast. And then the third section would be, if you are an author, why might you want to start a podcast of your own? Mm-hmm. So we're going to start putting that together. We've got, what, five months, six months to get it right uh, before we have to present it. And uh, we're excited. Yeah. It'll be our first time to go to RT also, which is exciting also. Um, finally kind of it's... taking the leap to go to that conference. I'm terrified, frankly. <laughs> um, I'm really scared. I was... Um, 
it was uh, there was an internal debate. I was having an internal <laughs> debate about mentioning that the workshop deadline was coming up because if I didn't mention it, and it's like, oops, we missed the deadline. I guess we're not going to RT. Then I wouldn't have had to have been stressed out about you know going to this enormous you know ginormous event. But I guess we are going. We're going now. I'm just going to have to get over it and uh, put on my big boy pants and deal with it. Well, um, uh, it'll be it, it'll be scary, but it's a good scary. It's something we both need to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, we, as scared as I am, I'm looking forward to getting the podcast out there and uh, meeting some uh, awesome, cool people. There's yeah. going to be a ton of amazing people there and a ton of amazing things to do. So... Uh, that'll probably balance out the the sheer terror. Yeah. <laughs> I think we'll both be fairly terrified when we get there, and you know we'll we'll do the appropriate introvert things of trying to gather up all of our social energy, yeah, and gather it together so we can get up there and do our thing. Yeah. Although I'm pretty sure you're going to make me talk at least seventy five percent of the uh, presentation on my own. Well, if we can figure out ahead of time what I need to specifically say, I can put on a show. That's true. You can. If you have a script. And there will be a script. Absolutely. <laughs> it won't be as unstructured as our podcast itself is. <laughs> it won't be all la-di-da. We'll be, we'll be putting our uh, fancy, fancy pants on and doing a presentation. That's right. Yeah. We'll have PowerPoint and everything. Yeah. So something to give you guys a heads up on is you should be liking our Facebook page. Please. Please, please, pretty please. <laughs> will is constantly posting. I say constantly. Almost every day during the week. Posting either some hot guy who's reading or who's listening to something. Uh, so you can get a little eye candy. Uh, we are starting to do periodic uh, Facebook Live posts mm-hmm. uh, as we do things. And in fact, we'll be at uh, Gay Romance Northwest on September 24th, I believe is that date. It's the Saturday coming up in that in those middle 20s. Uh, and we will probably be doing a little bit of Facebook Live there. Mm-hmm. Uh, who knows? We're going to explore the Seattle Amazon bookstore, so maybe we'll actually do some Facebook Live from Amazon. Who can say? Yeah. Uh, but we're doing stuff on that page, and it's you know content you don't get on our Twitter feed or on our website page. So give that a like. It is facebook.com slash biggayfictionpodcast, and we'll have that in the show notes as well for this episode. Cool. Yeah. Uh, somewhere else I might be doing a little bit of Facebook Live out to the uh, podcast group is when I actually go back east for Soccer for the Cause, uh, which is coming up. It'll be running uh, September uh, 16, 17, and 18 as we make our way from Boston down to New York. <coughs> and as you know, if you listen to last week's show, uh, for those of you who donate $100 or more and you live in the U.S., I will be happy to send you a signed set of Hattrick novels. Um, I don't give away the entire paperback collection very often, so it's a chance to get those books uh, if you're a fan. Uh, There'll be a link in the show notes page to take you to my donation page for Cycle for the Cause, uh, where I'll be doing crew once again this year. And uh, that offer will run through Sunday, September 18th, which is the day we get back into New York. Now, just the other day you went to the post office, correct? Someone someone took you up on your offer and they generously donated. Yes, Christopher uh, sent me a lovely email that he'd actually been looking for something to donate to because he enjoyed the hat trick book so much. So, Christopher, thank you for that. Very much appreciated. And also I want to thank uh, Arshad, Brandilyn, and Eileen uh, for making some very g- generous donations uh, to Suckle for the Cause as well. Yes. Every dollar does some great work. Very worthy cause. Now, where can they find that? 
And where can they donate? Uh, the donation, the link for it, it's a complicated link, so I don't say it here on the show, but oh, it'll okay. be in the show notes for this episode, episode 48. Episode 48, BigGayFictionPodcast.com. Yes. Please check it out. It's good. Um, in book news this past week, uh, I wanted to uh, quickly mention that authors Devin McCormick and Riley Hart managed to pull Beyonce and surprise, surprise everybody. They released their latest book, Weight of the World. Uh, they self-published it, uh, and they announced it with, uh, well, I'm sorry, they released it without uh, any preliminary... Um, no fanfare. No fanfare. Just went boom. Yeah, exactly. Uh, they let it loose in the world, and it's done very, very well for them. So congrats to the two of them. Uh, also in book news, uh, TJ Klune. Yeah, he had quite a cool announcement. Uh, he's been traveling over in Europe this week, and he actually was at UK Meet, uh, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But TJ put up on Facebook that Dream Spinner and himself have been contacted by some movies producers who are interested in How to Be a Normal Person, uh, which is a book I just read a couple weeks ago on audio and just fell in love with it. I can completely see how that could make a really awesome film. Uh, so best of luck to TJ and Dream Spinner as they kind of work out you know, all the details around that. I'm sure we'll be seeing more uh, from TJ on that in the coming weeks and months and however long it takes to potentially put a movie deal together. Mm. So, yeah, that's very cool. There's also uh, this coming week, uh, Archie Comics is putting out uh, the second installment of the new Kevin Keller miniseries. Uh, the first one came out about three months ago. It's running about a on a quarterly schedule. Uh, it's completely delightful. I don't know if you've had a chance to read book one yet, uh, but it takes place with Kevin. He's grown up, he's out of college, and he's moved to New York. Uh, and he's learning how to be a New Yorker after living in Riverdale, which is has nothing on New York. Um, he goes through the, the typical New York issues of getting set up in his teeny tiny apartment, mm -hmm. uh, finding out, meeting his neighbors, trying to commute, get to work, get in, get in with the boss as well and everything. It was, it was a delightful read. He's already kind of got eyes for his neighbor. Uh, and I think it was Veronica who showed up on his doorstep to move in with him. Yeah, <laughs> poor Kevin has to room with Veronica in New York City, so shenanigans will ensue. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's digitally available on uh, the Archie Comics app as well as Comicology, uh, which is run by Amazon. So we'll put some links in the show notes so you can pick that up mm -hmm. and check out Kevin's adventures uh, in New York. <clears throat> now, I don't know about you, but... Uh, my social media, my social media feeds. <laughs> oh my god, what a douchey thing to say. Um, in, uh, I have noticed some people uh, in my social media have uh, been out and about this past weekend, this Labor Day weekend, mm -hmm. uh, and it's basically the fall book convention kickoff weekend. Uh, several of them have been happening. Uh, the first, of course, is the big one, the UK Meet. Yes, uh, we had a lot of people that we saw that were there. T.J. Klune was there, Claire London was there, mm -hmm. uh, Brendan Lynn Carpenter was there, R.J. Scott. I mean, the list just seemed to go on and on uh, for the U.K.-based authors that were there. Uh, and surprisingly, the news out of the con uh, was that there'll be no meet in 2017, uh, because apparently the, the, the organizers want to take a year off, which is understandable. Uh, if you do a couple of these, you kind of need to recharge your batteries in a little bit yeah. for that one. And we'll have uh, Brandolin will actually be with us next week. Uh, to give us the rundown on uh, all things that happened at the UK meet. That'll be awesome. Yeah. Get uh, uh, 
Uh, An in-person report. Yes. Yeah. That, that's Yeah, that's what I was looking for. Also, this past holiday weekend, um, the AJC Decatur Book Festival happened in Georgia. Some of our friends from Dream Spinner were down there. Mm-hmm. Down south. Hawking some books and enjoying the festival down there. Also, the Central New York Author Expo happened this past weekend in uh, Syracuse. So, I hope all of the readers and the writers uh, had a lot of fun. Uh, Unfortunately, we could not be at those specific events, but we will be uh, at some other fall Big fall events coming up. We're, of course, uh, you mentioned earlier, we're going to be at the Northwest Meetup in Seattle. Uh, in a couple of weeks, and of course, since we won't shut up about it, you know that we're going to be at GRL in October. That's right. Yeah. Speaking of GRL, we're still working on our 60-day challenge mm-hmm. to get to GRL. Yes. Uh, I think we both had a bit of a challenging week. Uh, we had a challenging week for the challenge. A challenging week for the challenge. So let's, let's, let's just be redundant for a moment. <laughs> uh, I was traveling, so it was not 100% easy to deal with my food. Uh Hanging out in a hotel for for four days, yeah. Uh, but I did I did okay. I, I tried to make some conscious choices. My worst uh, outing was uh, I think it was Thursday night. I t- no, it was Wednesday night. I took my staff out uh, for a meal, and we went to a really great restaurant that had some incredible macaroni and cheese with some chorizo on it, and mm. that was an overeating moment. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I I didn't do so hot myself. I would. Uh, uh, I would say I kind of went middle of the road. I ate sort of okay, sort of not okay. Um, but this week is behind us now. Yep. Uh, this holiday weekend, we're basically resetting uh, and recommitting to the 60-day challenge. I think we're about six weeks out now from GRL. Yeah, because we're two weeks into the challenge, so yeah. we're six weeks out from GRL. <laughs> Good job with the math. Thank you. So we're now, we're now <laughs> six weeks out from GRL, and we're uh, doing a little bit of a reset. Yeah. So, And it hasn't been totally botched. I mean, I could feel that some of my shirts that were tighter are not as tight, which good. is good. Good. It's kind of what my hope was. The whole point. Yes. All right. Um, Star Trek. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, Star Trek. <laughs> nice. Uh, Star Trek turns 50 this week. It was September 8th, 1966 that uh, Star Trek premiered on NBC. Mm-hmm. And it's had my social media feed along with all these book conventions. Uh, several friends in New York were at Star Trek. I believe it's called Star Trek Missions. Uh, or Star yeah. Trek Mission New York. Something like that, yeah. Um, and have had a great time at the Javits Center. Uh, I'll be having my own Star Trek geek moment coming when I'm back uh, after Cycle for the Cause, mm-hmm. the uh, Intrepid aircraft carrier, which houses the Intrepid, uh, I believe it's the Sea and Air Museum, they call it, mm-hmm. is having a huge Star Trek exhibition uh, in the landing bay where the Enterprise space shuttle is located. So I have my ticket and I'll be there Monday morning right after the ride to have my own personal Star Trek geek out. Uh, but very happy birthday to them. I remember fondly as a child uh, in the early 70s, watching Star Trek in reruns after school. I could they, There was a block of programming that was Lost in Space, Star Trek, and Ultraman. Oh. Which was pretty kick-ass. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> and, uh, of course, I've been a Star Trek fan forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and have watched most of the shows. And looking forward to the new one that CBS is airing in January to see what they do with that. Time now for the GRL Guest Author Spotlight. We're happy to welcome Brandon Witt back to the podcast, this time as part of the official 2016 GRL blog tour. 
For the first 18 years of life, Brandon lived in a small Ozark town before moving with his family to Colorado. There, he got degrees in youth ministry and special education and worked as a counselor and special education teacher for 15 years. Brandon's writing doesn't shy away from challenges and conflict, but also revels in the joy that can only happen when truly embracing loving at all that life has to offer. Thanks for being with us, Brandon. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here today. So you've got two series coming up in the next few months. First up is Rocky Mountain Boys. Give us the scoop on those guys. So the Rocky Mountain Boys takes place in a little tourist trap town called Estes Park in Colorado. It's about an hour and a half from here. It's really pretty. If any of you have read my Christmas story, uh, Christmas Miracles of a Recently Fallen Spruce, I think is the title, um, there's a character in there who does an annual gay boy Christmas dinner. And it wasn't the plan when I wrote that short story, but for some reason it kind of blossomed in my mind. And now each one of those friends is getting their own novel of that gay boy Christmas dinner couples. Um, and there will be five books in that one. The first one comes out in September, or October of this year. So, um, yeah, I'm really excited about those. That's very cool that those guys get their own book. That, that was a fun short story. Yeah, that was a that was one of my first short stories I'd ever written, actually, and that was a lot of fun. It's a lot funnier than the than these books are. Um, there's still some humor, but it's a little different take on those characters. So, and uh, what's the uh, what's the title of the first in the series? The first one is Mapping the Forest. Okay. So, and about, that would probably involve a forest ranger. Exactly. <laughs> oh, I'm good, I'm good. and then uh, the other love interest is a. Um, he owns a hotel slash Jeep ride combo, which was big when I was a kid and we would go visit. You drive the big army Jeeps up the mountain and it was a lot of fun. So those are the two love interests of, of that first book. Cool. So, that sounds good. Yeah. yeah. First one will be out by GRL maybe? I think so. That's the plan. Cool. I haven't got a date yet, but it should be. We'll keep our fingers crossed. Me too. <laughs> so you've also got Mary's Boys coming uh, in the first part of next year, which of course focuses on a on a famous hamburger chain. Yeah, Hamburger Mary's, which I first went to in San Diego. I don't think it's even there anymore, but there's one in uh, Denver, and they're just opening a new one in Denver. So it's based, um, the whole series is based in Hamburger Mary's, and if you've read Under a Sky of Ash, there's bits and pieces that happen in Hamburger Mary's there. Um, the big drag queen, Man Mandana, uh, was a big um, character in that book for Mary's, and she so shows up through this whole series. But that series is novellas, so they'll all be pretty short, um, kind of standalone pieces, and there's four of those. And those will all come out by GRL of next year. So, And then we'll go back to the Rocky Mountain Boys. So there's my whole next year and a half. <laughs> All mapped out, ready to go. All mapped out. So tell us about the first Mary's Boys. What's the title of that one? Nachos and Hash. Um, so in each of the Mary's books, it's going to be uh, one employee of Mary's. And the first one's this 20-year-old server who um, is pretty damaged and insecure. And then the love interest is a researcher of pot or marijuana, hence the hash, um, who is researching its effects on cancer because, you know, in Colorado, that's all legal now. So nachos and hash. 
Interesting. When you first said hash, I thought of like the food hash. Well, and that was kind of the play on it I like, too. I like I the, to, uh, the um, owner of the whole hamburger chain, Hamburger Mary's chain, actually came up with hash. I had it called something else. Um, and he's like, you should do hash because of that. It makes you think of food and pot. I'm like, brilliant. Brilliant. So I can't take credit for the title. But, <laughs> but I like that it came from the manager of Hamburger Mary's. That's so awesome. They've been amazing. They are so much fun. They're letting me use the little Mary's logo and all that stuff. Like, they're super sweet. I see a lunch party at Hamburger Mary's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> If there's one near you, you should go. They're really, really fun. Cool. Now at GRL, I mean, and speaking of food, mm-hmm. you're on a panel talking about romance and food with Brew Baker and Rick Reed. That is true. Um, we're not exactly sure where all we're going yet. We don't even have it titled. We've got a few titles we're going back and forth with, but um, Brew and I have hung out a lot, and then Rick and I have talked quite a bit, and all of us are kind of foodies. Uh, and Rick has several books out, you know, that revolve around diners or food. And so we thought that would just be a really fun thing to to do at GRL and kind of tie in the food and romance because it seems like a natural. And it's just something light and fun that well, we could have a lot of fun with. So that's happy fun. I, I think I know uh-huh. who we're going to be for, at one point during it. Yeah, during GRL. Definitely check that out. Will you be offering appetizers? <laughs> We are debating on, that's our plan, is to have some type of food, but we're trying to figure out how to make that happen when we're at a resort and, like, we can't cook necessarily, so I don't want to give too much away, but we're debating. So I can't okay. promise we're giving food, but we're definitely trying to give out food. So, yeah, that's the idea. So you grew up near Kansas City. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I block all of that. Not Kansas City. I grew up um, two hours away. I don't know which direction. Um, in a little bitty farm town. But I loved going to Kansas City. Like that was the big thing at Christmas. We would go up there and go to the mall. And you know where I grew up, we didn't have even a Walmart, let alone a movie theater or anything. So Kansas City was. We'd go to Children's Palace, and I love that place. And as an adult, it's actually really beautiful. I know a lot of people were kind of upset when they heard that GRL was going to. Kansas City, but Kansas City is great, and the plaza is gorgeous. The food's amazing. Um, I think it was a great choice for GRL. So, what should we all be doing in, in our GRL downtime? Well, there is a Hamburger Mary's there. I've never been to that one, so that could be fun. Um, this sounds so silly, but we would also always go to the plaza and go to Houston's, which I know is a chain, um, and get their chicken strips. They have the best chicken strips I've ever had anywhere. And then Kansas City is known for the barbecue. So Casey Masterpiece or really just eat your way through Kansas City. And <laughs> really, really good. I love a good chicken strip. So I'm going to have to go to that place yeah, to get the chicken strip. And they come with these big pieces of like bread that are covered in melted cheese. And it's mm, <laughs> so good. But I wasn't out when I, because we moved away when I was like 18. So I've never actually seen gay life in Kansas City. I don't know what like gay nightlife is like, but that could be fun to discover too. So, okay, what are you looking forward to GRL wise this year? I, you know, after the first year where I was such a nervous wreck, it's just relaxing. It's so nice to see everybody. It just feels like going 
kind of home to see friends and we're kind of all big weird geeks together and it's comforting so um i just kind of like that it's going to be like my vacation of really the only vacation i do away from uh, either boyfriend or family so it's just the chance to all hang out so, so i love it love last it. year you had the big flamingo on your head are you planning something <laughs> we don't want you to give away spoilers but are you planning something similar <laughs> this year well, that was kind of an accident, so I don't have anything planned, but that doesn't mean something weird won't accidentally happen. Um, I think I'm helping Edmund and a few other people. Um, I think I'm helping Edmund with the cock walk, um, so I'm sure I'll have to figure out something to wear for that, but I'm not sure what that'll be yet. Okay. So, and anything with Edmund, you know, is going to be show-stopping. <laughs> yeah. We'll have to get pictures of Brandon from that just to see what's going on. Mm. (laughs) So what's the best way for folks to keep up with you online? Uh, Typically, Facebook is the easiest, although I've been working so much lately that I've not been online too much. But uh, Facebook is still the most. Um, Also do Instagram and Twitter a little bit. Um, The Witty Hour you can catch on um, YouTube. And we've got Della... Boynton, I never say her name right, coming up uh, as a guest next month to Vanessa North and talking to TJ Clune. So there's some some people that are coming up to interview me and my lovely drag. (laughs) (laughs) We will definitely link up to all that in the show notes then so people can find that. All right, Brandon, we are so glad that you stopped by with us today and we look forward to seeing you in Kansas City. Back at you. I can't wait to see you boys. We'll have a blast. You can follow the GRL Blog Tour by going to gayromlit.com slash 2016 blog tour. So as you know, the Big Gay Fiction Podcast has teamed up with the authors that we're hosting uh, during the tour for a giveaway of a 7-inch fire tablet that's loaded with books. We've got over 80 books from our guests as well as some books that I'm throwing in and a huge package that Wild City Press donated for the authors that they have attending Gay Romlet. Uh, you can see the raffle copter on episode 48 show notes to enter. The big GRL blog tour giveaway runs through Sunday, October 23rd, which is the Sunday that GRL closes, and you'll find a link to the participating authors on our page. Now, you need a word for the week, so in celebration of Star Trek's 50th, the word for this week's bonus entries is Trek. T-R-E-K, Trek. So, now we get to go talk to Christian Baines. Uh, Christian got in contact with the podcast for us to have a look at his book, The Orchard of Flesh. Uh, I don't normally do paranormal, but I loved this book. <laughs> so I was really excited to talk to Christian, and he's going to tell you all about it. I'm happy to welcome Christian Baines to the podcast. Christian was born in Queensland, Australia, and has lived in Brisbane, Sydney, and Toronto, earning an MA in creative writing at University of Technology, Sydney, along the way. His musings on travel, theater, and gay life have appeared in numerous publications in both Australia and Canada. A passion for travel has sent him chasing dark and fascinating stories around the globe. His first novel, The Beast Without, was released in 2013, followed by his erotic short story, The Prince and the Practitioner. His second novel, Puppet Boy, was released in 2015, and his most recent, The Orchard of Flesh, which is the sequel to The Beast Without, was released in August. Christian, welcome. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks so much for, for getting on my on my to-read list with Orchard of Flesh. Um, <laughs> You, you you mentioned that book as we started talking about having you on the show, and I, I so much enjoyed it, and I don't usually do paranormal for one reason or the other, but it caught me. Um, 
tell our listeners about the Arcadia Trust series and about this new book. Okay, well, uh, the Arcadia Trust is basically an urban fantasy series that grew out of, or the first book at least, grew out of uh, basically an erotic short vampire story that I found I really liked the character voice of. Um, And it kind of just blossomed into this sort of, um, I guess, old school urban fantasy from the perspective of this vampire and fixed on this much younger, much less stable werewolf who he's been asked to investigate for a series of murders in the first book. And the organization that's conscripted him to do that is the Arcadia Trust, which is a collection of uh, supernatural beings living in Sydney in Australia uh, under the leadership of a uh, human Patricia Backer, who uh, is a former nun who's... uh, Parting ways with the Catholic Church is never full, hasn't yet been fully explored and uh, divulged. And the second uh, second book, The Orchard of Flesh, uh, it continues. Oh, um, the lead the lead vampire Raylan, um, his relationship with the werewolf Yorgos uh, becomes complicated in the kinds of ways that get you on podcasts like this one. <laughs> and uh, The Orchard of Flesh continues uh, their relationship. It continues. Uh, Raylan's relationship with a uh, a human servant he acquires in the first book. I'm not going to say who it is, um, and it continues his relationship with the Arcadia Trust and various secondary characters' relationships with each other. Uh, basically, I like big casts. I like rich worlds uh, with a lot of different characters and agendas to explore. Uh, so it's it's kind of what I've strived to to create uh, with both books and what I what I'm hoping to do with them going forward. Do you have an idea for how many books will be in the series? We're probably going to look at five or six. I, I find six is my usual point with the series where I start to check out personally. Um, so I think, I think that's a good, that's going to be a good number to tell the story I've got in mind at this stage, mm-hmm. but who knows? Who knows? It's a little way off bit. Now you mentioned that it, there was a short story that was kind of at the inspiration for this. What else kind of played into the to the development of this world? Um, a whole lot of stuff. I, I kind of went through a, a phase about 10 years ago of really just... I, I had always sort of been loosely aware it was out there, but I hadn't really read any urban fantasy. I'd been more interested in sci-fi and thrillers and that sort of... You know, various other genres. And I, I started getting into urban fantasy right about the time some of these series um, Laura K. Hamilton uh, Charlene Harris were starting to not really hit sort of mainstream consciousness but uh, cer- certainly get out there and get up to about their their uh, four or five maybe half dozen bookmark um, and uh, yeah it really just kind of escalated um, and I just started to find uh, find influences both in kind of new media around uh, modern takes on monsters and like uh, classic gothic novels as well. And so I just started to think about, okay, what if you brought versions of those characters without literally using those characters, which seems to be a popular thing to do now, uh, from the Victorian era into, uh, into a modern day setting? Um, so th- there are all kinds of influences in those books, um, but... Really, it um, 
yeah, I have kind of, I have kind of a couple of year long romance with urban fantasy to thank for them coming out. You call this urban fantasy, and I was calling it more paranormal. Where does paranormal include urban fantasy? Kind of, or are there lines kind of that draw between what paranormal is and where urban fantasy is? Uh, I don't mind the label paranormal. I I tend to resist the label paranormal romance. So even though there is a romance that's significant and it runs through the through the book, uh, well through both through both books. It, uh, romance is a very distinctive genre, and unless you are hitting certain beats that belong to that genre, your book is not a romance. So I tend to resist that label unless I've actually got a product that I think mm-hmm. fits, fits those beats. And to date, I don't. I've not written a, what I'd consider to be a romance novel. Yeah. Um, but I think urban fantasy and paranormal, I don't really mind uh, where people want to draw the lines for uh, defining those. Um, so, And I would agree that this was not a paranormal romance in my view either. There is, as you stated, the romance, but it does not hit those beats Mm. uh, for sure. But I enjoyed the romance element that ran through it for sure. Mm. Mm. Uh, How did you plan out your take on the, the vampire, the werewolf and the supernatural characters to make them your own without, you know, drawing on some of the other things that we've seen authors do to, the traditional archetypes for these characters? I, well, like I said, um, a lot of my early reading was, I read a lot of science fiction. Uh, I read a lot, I, most of what I learned about character interaction and dialogue, I can probably trace back to, you know, shows like Star Trek and Babylon 5 and shows with those large ensemble casts, but also um, shows with a very good, and strong sense of mythology and a very strong sense of how to deliver an overarching story slowly. Um, so I, in the way that it's distinctive, uh, I've kind of taken a little bit of a sci-fi angle insofar as there is no magic as such in this world. Magic is just science that has either been kept from you by other people or is yet to be explained. Um, and, all the supernatural creatures pretty much have a sense of who they are and why. Uh, the va- the um, vampires who are known as bloodshades in this universe, they tend to think of vampire as, you know, summoning images of, you know, Christopher Lee or, you know, whatever. Um, so they tend to resist that kind of label. But um, they are naturally born as they are. They do not go out recruiting. They do not turn uh, people they meet uh, to procreate themselves, they are a recessive gene through the family lines, as are werewolves, as are uh, cloakwalkers, who are people who cannot be who gradually start to vanish around late puberty, early twenties, uh, which which is when all of these abilities start to kick in. Um, so it's really just moving things across to a slightly more scientific base. So you can show you can then play with science tropes, um, which. Yeah, I, f- I find an awful lot of fun. It, it definitely takes me back to some of my my influences as a writer, for sure. How much overall planning did you have to do before you actually started to write? So you, or did you evolve your world just as you were writing? Uh, pretty much evolved it as I was writing the first one. Uh, I was I was doing sort of notes that have been revised and scrapped and abandoned and changed endlessly. Um, 
while I was while I was writing the first one. Um, but uh, yeah, the, the, I mean, it's it's constantly evolving. I, I'm constantly flip flopping between ideas, whichever is going to give me a strong a stronger effect, but also an effect that's going to you know feel like it has a payoff later down the road. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like I like having people who I, I like you know giving people who've you know sort of are moving from book to book a sense that they're they're sort of being rewarded for staying with the story as in addition to just keeping everything quite cohesive you can pick up orchard of flesh and it, it'll make perfect sense to you it, it, it lays out perfectly well without having read beast without i think um it you'll, you'll cop a few spoilers for sure but uh, uh having said that it's if someone wants to say stay through the entire series then uh, I, I like to have a few a few rewards in there for that yeah, and you're 100% right about that. I picked up Orchard of Flesh, had not read Beast Without, and didn't feel like I missed a beat. I just okay. I dropped right in and went on, and now I'm, I'm eager for book three, and I will also go back and pick up book one just to see what I missed back there. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, people could kind of... I like that the, you could drop in anywhere, but then you just pull right through. Uh, Puppet Boy which I have not read, seems very different from the Arcadia Trust books just based on its blurb. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell us about that book, since it's, you know, your your former recent release from just last year. Yeah, um, Puppet Boy is a very different book in that it completely sheds any sort of fantasy elements. There is, no, there is nothing supernatural going on in Puppet Boy. It is still set in Sydney. Um... And it's set in around a fairly elite, wealthy North Shore Sydney high school, um, and it's focused on a uh, a senior kid who wants nothing more than to be a film director, and he has a kid transfer to his class who wants nothing more to be an actor. Um, now, okay, if this was another type of book, then it, it all sounds like a very oh, oh my goodness conflict conflict here and. You know, we all we all end up happily ever after going to the formal or whatever. Not really going to work that way. Um, this one, well, first of all, Eric, the lead character, has a girlfriend already who he's been with for a good, I think, six or seven years by the by within the timeline of that book. So since that since they were quite young, uh, she has a damage of her own going on, and there is a question as to who is using who in this book and. Um, just to what extent these kids are willing to go to realize their various ambitions and how good an actor is Julian. And then you have a couple of other plot lines. It's like, what's with Eric's uh, seeming night job as an escort to the middle class to wealthy uh, socialites of Sydney. What's with the guy? He's you know the the burglar. He's got t- he's got tied up to a chair in his absent mother's theatre room. Uh, so you have these plots that um, any of them would make a great premise for his uh, for his first movie. Unfortunately, they are his real life that he, that he has to try and resolve while kind of sussing out this this new guy who's arrived in school. Um, so I, I had uh, some someone tell me that it was. Um, that it made cruel intentions look like Sweet Valley High. Wow! Uh, with some of the some of what was going on, I don't think it's quite as campy as Cruel Intentions. I was looking at 
writers like uh, Brad Easton Ellis and you know books like Less Than Zero, uh, mixing that with elements of um, you know kind of classic high school movies like Breakfast Club or what have you, um, with a little bit of a David Lynch type. We're not entirely sure what we're reading, whether it's how reliable it is or how much we're being sold as a fantasy here. Um, Interesting. Which is a it's a, it's a hell of a book to try and pitch in an elevator, um, as you you've probably worked out from hearing me ramble now. Um, but yeah, it's it's very far removed from the uh, fantasy world. It's much more much more general fiction. It's definitely not YA, uh, although I've had a few people sort of sell it that way. Um, there are some pretty there's there's some quite surreal, quite quite dark stuff in there. And yeah, it's probably been the most fun I've ever had writing a book of any kind. And and the people who do like it have really loved it. And more Beast Without had sort of a broader range of readers and kind of a generally positive response. Puppet Boy, far more polarizing, but the people who love it really love it. So, I mean, that's, that's really, you know, really encouraging for me. You really hit some interesting beats on that for me because you tied Brett Easton Ellis books, of which I'm a fan, mm-hmm. to like The Breakfast Club because I'm also a fan of the John Hughes movies, and there are yeah. those are generally two things that don't go together. Typically, you would think not. <laughs> you would think not. But then you layer a little David Lynch in there too, and depending on what mm-hmm. era of Lynch you're talking about, that's interesting too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it's really a a mixed bag of uh, sort of these are a few of my favorite things and kind of seeing what I ended up with. Um, It, I mean, it evolved out of a a pretty generic, pretty dull uh, high school coming out story that I abandoned about a quarter of the way through when I realized that story had been told about 50 times already. Um, And I just wanted to get into something that um, about young people who, in one way, we're very charismatic and you kind of want to hang out with these people and on the other other hand are wildly amoral and disturbing and you do not, not want to be anywhere near these kids. Um, and so it is, it is a bit of a few... And because they are um, artists and they are all you know, lovers of film and theatre and illusion, uh, it let me really play with contrasts like... Brett Easton Ellis to the John Hughes films and and that sort of thing. So, like I, like I said, it's it's probably the most fun I've had with any story I've done. Now, how did you decide to drop this book between the two Arcadia Trust books? It was ready. Uh, <laughs> that worked. <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. That was what uh, I. There was quite a gap between Beast Without and Puppet Boy. Um, and I'd started Puppet Boy because I had no idea if Beast Without was going to sell. I was trying to pitch it to mainstream publishers and go through agents and all that sort of thing uh, who did not want to look at a gay book uh, on this topic. I, I literally had have a rejection letter in my drawer um, from an agent saying, these, these books are sold to young women. You must have a young female protagonist uh, who must be human. Like, okay, you... I'm guessing you don't read a lot, a lot of these books, but it was fine. She was very, very polite about it, but that was her line. Um, so I started, and I read everything. I read, I, I am not limited to any one genre. I get bored if I'm reading one genre for too long. 
Um, and I really just wanted to play with the general fiction book and kind of a, have a bit of fun with, uh, with a high school setting because like a lot of people, you know, many millions of people before me, I absolutely despised high school. So I wanted to kind of reimagine it the way I, I would look at it. Uh, something like Glee is not how I idol, uh, idealize my, my high school years. If that's you, go to it. That's way too, you know, upbeat and preppy for my taste. Um, so, yeah, this I just kind of built these characters who I could empathize with, absolutely. And they do have a moral compass, but it's very, very skewed. Um, so I, I worked on that alongside uh, Orchard of Flesh. Um once I worked out that Beast Without was actually going to, to go somewhere. Um, but yeah, it's, the timing was not really deliberate particularly. It's, you've, got, you've got two strands of me, whichever you want to, you'd prefer to follow, or both, both would be great. Both, mm-hmm. both is always great. Right. Uh, yeah. But I have, they, they, they pick up a different readership for, I think, reasons that are apparent. Some people cross over, and, yeah. but uh, they're very different styles of book. You mentioned you tend to read many genres. Do you have favorite genres that are like your go-tos? Um, difficult to say. I like... Look, I, 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 most of what I read would be, um, would be gay fiction, and I don't um, think there is anything... Um, I really don't. I really make no apologies for that. I think about all the straight authors who would never pick up a gay book in their lives. So, well, um, but I, I don't know. I, I have. I really don't have any particular genre that cries out to me. I, I, I come back. To, I try to come back to urban fantasy um, semi regularly, just to keep my hand in and to keep sort of the. I get. I guess it brings my, it trains my mind back to the Arcadia Trust books and sort of keeps that flowing a little bit. Uh, and I personally just enjoy it, mm-hmm. um, whether, whether that's LGBT or otherwise. Um, I like books that are going to tease my mind a little bit. I like darkly comic sort of books. Uh, I like angry queer books as well. Um, and there's a lot of authors kind of from sort of a maybe a generation ago who write from a very, from a place of a very strong um, resentment uh, for the world. And I find, I find, I find some of their work really, really interesting to go back to and just very energizing in a way that may not be entirely positive, but you know, energy is energy regardless. Um, so they're, they're just, um, yeah, they're, and it's very interesting to get a much more, or cynic, you know, that insight from a more cynical time as well. Mm-hmm. What about author inspirations? Are there authors that you kind of go to as inspirations to your own work? Um, I don't know if I have specific authors as such. I, I more just sort of cherry pick from various authors. Uh, I mean, any, anyone who writes vampire books in this day and age and thinks they don't have a debt to Anne Rice is naive or lying um there's only one place i've been asked that question where i didn't credit Anne rice and that was sitting on a panel with her son two chairs away from me and i didn't want to look like a gushing fanboy so (laughs) i have no idea if he thinks i'm the most arrogant you know (laughs) uh, 
ungrateful guy out there. I have no idea. But um, no, she's def- she was definitely a big influence um, in terms of bringing those kind of characters and those creatures into a modern setting. I think I think pretty much all of urban fantasy, you know, can can draw from that. Um, in terms of the tone, particularly the Arcadia Trust books, uh, like things like the Dresden Files books, um, uh, Laurel K. Hamilton to an extent, probably earlier books in that series, maybe uh, Simon R. Green, who's a fantastic British urban fantasy author. Um, he's his books, they kind of skirt a line um, between you know, like classic gumshoe urban fantasy and really high camp over the top. Um, you, you're, you're sort of reading this going, oh my God, has Ryan Murphy read this? Sort of, you know, see, seeing where it can go. Um, you know, we're, we're, we've, got, we've got drag queen superheroes charging through fields of zombies in, in a convertible to save, you know, save the hero from whatever, things like that, stuff like that. Um, I mean, uh, getting away from genre. Um, I mean, Brett Easton Ellis again, big literary hero of mine. Um, oh, with Orchard of Flesh, actually, uh, Clive Barker and um, David Cronenberg. Clive Barker is a writer. David Cronenberg is a filmmaker. Uh, it's very much a book about uh, you know using various aspects of people and bringing, bringing them together and to what level could, is sort of cooperation a reasonable goal. Um, so because we're bringing together, you know, all the, all these various species and there's a lot of distrust in the air. There's a lot of political agendas going on. And there's another character who has a very different idea of what it means to bring species together. Um, so yeah, I, I look, I, I love, um, you know, Clive Barker's earlier books that are very, very graphic, very, uh, you know, very, very confrontational in bringing, um, bringing those ideas out, and uh, David Cronenberg's movies as well. So, this, there's there's an aspect of body horror that's much stronger in this than it, it uh, was in Beast Without. Very good inspirations, and now that you've mentioned those kind of things, I can see that in some specific scenes from within Orchard of Flesh, how that kind of all connected together there, too. Uh, so you're headed to GRL in October in Kansas. Uh, is it your first GRL? I think it is, because I, I, I don't think I've seen you there, maybe? It's my first GRL as an author. Okay. I, I was at Atlanta. Uh, it was my first experience there. Uh, little, you know, I, I basically turned up with my one little book in hand, and uh, nobody knew who I was, and so now Kansas City, I'll be turning up with three books in hand, with nobody knowing who I am. Uh, so yeah, it, sh- it should it should be a lot of fun. Looking forward to it. Awesome. Yeah, Atlanta seems like so long ago now. Um, what are you looking forward to in, in, in Kansas City? Specifically, sure. Um, look, I. I, I've tried. I've honestly tried not to pin expectations down that finely. I'm kind of. It. It is just such a big event, particularly compared to the other, you know, LGBT literary festivals out there. It's just so much, uh, on such a broader scale. Um, you know, you you never end up having enough time to, you know, spend with the people who you think you're going to hang out with, and you always meet new new people and come away with, 
you know, new connections that way. Um, I, I really sort of enjoy like just table one-on-ones with the readers. Like come, come see, come see me in the salon, come, come, hang out, hang out after my reading. I just, just have a chat. You know, you don't even have, don't even have to talk about the books. You don't have to have read the books. You know, come, come chat with me about movies, come chat, you know, whatever. Um, I just, I just enjoy, you know, listen, listening to people and, you know, just hearing their various ideas on other authors, whether, you know, connected to my books or, or whatever. Um, and I mean, that's, that's the big appeal with a lot of the cons is, uh, they, the way they open up the community to you, particularly, I think sometimes this genre of community can feel very, very online, uh, feel very, very digital. I feel, feel like we're a lot of the time kind of at the, at the mercy and tyranny of the Amazon, um, Amazon beast as it's grown, um, so it's really nice to sort of step away from this kind of one-click culture and actually, you know, humanize, humanize the books and humanize the authors and the readers a little bit. Um, so that's probably the aspect I'm looking most forward to. Um, but yeah, I, I, to be honest, I haven't even looked at the uh, at the schedule in in uh, in, in close detail. But uh, but but I but yeah, I will be, I will be there. Come come say hi. I don't bite unless you. Bribe appropriately. <laughs> Careful, you never know what'll happen at those after parties. <laughs> I have a pretty good idea, but yeah. <laughs> so, what's coming up next for you? A, a, a book three in Arcadia Trust, I hope. Yes, it's on the way. It's still, I'm, yeah. There, there are still ideas being worked out and pieced together, and you know, um, there is. The introduction of a character who's had quite a strong influence on the first two books, but not yet appeared. Uh, so there's your little spoiler alert there. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm still hashing out a first draft to third book in that series, and I'm working on a, um, a kind of a horror novella uh, set uh, set in New Orleans that, that I've kind of been toing and froing on for a couple of years now. Um, so, and that's, there's, I'd, I'd probably struggle to pitch that as urban fantasy in any way. That's tipping over into the horror side of things. So if you, if you, if you like your genre commitment in that direction, it'll, you know, it might, might be, might be to your taste. Um, I have, oh, look, I, I have notes kind of floating around on, on other things as well, but there's only so much you can sort of work on at once. And I don't. I don't write quickly. I don't. I'm not. I, I applaud these authors who can ter- who can turn out, you know, ten books a year. But I'm not. I'm not one of them. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's because I like having that overarching, slower story. I did, but yeah. But uh, yeah, that's that's kind of what, what's on, what's on the way at the moment. Still very much within the uh, the fantasy speculative realm. Cool. And what's the best way for people to keep up with you online? Online, um, probably well, it's my uh, website, which is simply www.christianbaines.com. Uh, Facebook, uh, just facebook.com/slash Christian Baines Author. Uh, Twitter, again, it's at Christian Baines, but it's spelt X T I A N B A I N E S. Um, I think. 
I have a good I have a Goodreads page as well, and that's pretty much it. I don't do Instagram. I don't do Tumblr. I don't do. I I am appalling at blogging. I do have one. It does exist, but don't rely on it. I, I link it through to my Goodreads page anyway, so you can go there. But yeah, so I'm I am I am findable. Awesome, and we'll link up to all that stuff in our show notes, along with the links to the books, so people can go out and pick them up. That would be fantastic. Awesome. Well, Christian, thank you so much for being with us, and we look forward to seeing you in uh, Kansas as well. Thank you for having me. Feel free to come and say hi. Absolutely. Thank you once again for Christian for stopping by and talking about his latest book. Uh, coming up next week in episode 49, Pat Henshaw is going to be here uh, as part of the 2016 GRL blog tour. And Brandilyn is here from the Prison Book Alliance. And she's going to give us all the scoop, the news that's fit to print about <laughs> the UK meet that just recently happened. All right. Awesome. That'll do it. And we'll see everybody next week. Thanks for listening, guys. Bye. Thank you for listening to Jeff and Will's Big Gay Fiction Podcast. New episodes are available every Monday at iTunes and other major podcast outlets. While there, subscribe to the show and please consider leaving a review. For detailed show notes, links, and to sign up for the monthly newsletter, visit BigGayFictionPodcast.com. Big Gay Fiction Podcast.